Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing The Warrior God, a Faded Mates fantasy romance. Book one in the Aries Trials, written by Eliza Rain and Rose Wilson. We are wrapping up uh, Fantasy Romance February this week. So this was our, our week four pick. Uh, this author has also written a couple of other series that are, are Greek mythology themed. So if you're a fan of the Greek mythology um, setting in terms of fantasy then you might also look at her other series she's she wrote the hades trials which features the hades persephone story which was how we actually discovered this author and then she's also got the immortality trials so if you like greek mythology with a little bit of romance you might check out her other books in addition to this one um the third this is the trilogy the second book is already out um, and the third book will be out in april I'll start off with our character descriptions and then Vicki will pick up with our plot. So uh, let's introduce our main character. Her name is Bella. She has a history of uncontrollable anger issues, which has worked to her advantage in the past when she's been involved in fighting, um, fighting rings and situations like that, but it's not really ideal for any other situation. She's described as being 5'2", pixie-faced with shoulder-length blonde hair and is insanely strong. She's believed to be the goddess, Inyo, who is a goddess of war and destruction. We have Joshua, who is Bella's anger management counselor and is an undercover guardian. So his job as a guardian is to protect people who have power that live within the mortal realm from attracting attention or trouble or hurting others. We have Ares, who is the god of war. He is always wearing his armor, including his golden helmet that reveals only a sliver of his face and has a big red plume. We have Ziva, who is Bella's cat, but also is a Sphinx hybrid and is also a guardian for Bella. For Bella. So she was sent to watch over Bella by Hera, she is super sassy and is not here for your attitude, so you better watch out. We have Eris, who is the goddess of discord and chaos and is Ares' sister. We have Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love. Her appearance is constantly changing. She and Ares have been carry on, carrying on an affair for centuries. We have Hades, who is the god of the underworld and currently sharing rulership of Olympus with Poseidon as Zeus has disappeared, and Persephone, who is the goddess of spring and Hades' consort. We have the gods of war, so we have pain, panic, and terror. Pain is the king of Eremos, uh, which is one of the places that our story is set. He is described as being super handsome, but with a cruel smile, like a sexy, scary Aladdin. We have Panic, who is described as having sandy hair, um, and he dresses like Robin Hood 
instills feelings of panic. Then we have Terror, who is described as like a humanoid mass that doesn't really have any defined features. He is um, marble looking and made of marble, and he has a voice like nails on a chalkboard. Our story starts in London, and then from there we go to Olympus, which is the home of the gods. And... Then we go to Eremos, which is within Ares' realm, which is also called Ares. Um, it's located in the desert and is surrounded by a wall, and all who wish to enter must pay. Um, it's the home to a bunch of rough-and-tumble people, um, and it, it's notorious for its fighting pits. Vicki, do you want to take up our plot? Yes. The book opens with our heroine, Bella, at Anger Management. She has her anger management counselor, Joshua, by the throat. She realizes what she is doing and lets him go, but is frustrated with herself since despite therapy for several months, she has not had improvement with her temper. Joshua urges her to discuss her foster parents, but she refuses. However, she does agree to go to a group therapy session. However, when she arrives, she finds Joshua on the ground, dead. A very large man appears before her and announces that he is Ares, the god of war. He tells her that she is Enyo, the goddess of war, and that he is there to kill her. She prepares to fight him, but her cat, Ziva, interrupts. Turns out her cat is not a regular cat. She tells Ares that killing Bella will not give him his power back. Instead, Ares has to earn his power back. His power had been stolen by Zeus right before he disappeared. Because Zeus is Zeus. There is a flash of white light, and they're in Olympus. They are greeted by Persephone and Hades. Ares tells them that the power of war was split between him and Bella, so whenever Bella is near him, he has access to his powers. We also learn that Bella is descended from an unknown unknown titan. Naturally, Bella demands answers, and Persephone is happy to answer them. She informs Bella that Zeus, the king of gods, made a very big mistake, and now Olympus is being run by her, Hades, and Poseidon. She also informs Bella that Zeus has gone missing and took Ares' power before he left. We also learn that Joshua was a guardian and that Bella's cat was sent by Hera to watch over her. It also turns out that Joshua isn't dead dead, only that his human body is dead, so he can still come back. Bella is focused on bringing Joshua back, but Ares is focused on his power. Hades decide that Bella and Ares have to work together to find an escaped demon and stolen guardians, although there will be a party before they start. At the party, all the Olympian gods are present, other than Hera and Zeus. She also meets Eris, Ares' sister, and the goddess of chaos and discord. When Bella tells Eris she is the goddess of war, she has a strange reaction but does not say anything. Soon, Bella is whisked away to meet some of the other gods, and Oceanus tells Ares that if he is successful in helping Hades, that he will make Ares a trident of power. Ares is like, yes, let's do that, and they get flashed to Ares' realm in order to find the demon. Unsurprisingly, Ares and Bella do not work well together. She has a lot of questions, and he has no interest in answering them. However, when Bella irritates him by asking him a lot of questions about his helmet, he loses control of his temper, and she hears drums and sees embers burn in his eyes. He has to remove his helmet in order to disguise himself in his realm, and Bella realizes he is attractive. They enter the city of Eremos, which is beautiful and has a ton of fighting pits. 
Arius decides to ask questions of the locals, and of course, they end up in a brawl with the first people that they speak with. Bella ends up poisoned by a manicure, but is healed by an apothecary. When she wakes up, she has the good sense to buy supplies and armor. Ares begins telling her a bit about war magic, including Warsight, which she has been unknowingly using her entire life. However, before she can get further clarification, they are captured by guards. They are taken to meet the King of Eremos, who also turns out to be one of the three lords of war. The three lords of war include Panic, Pain, and Terror, and the King of Eremos is Pain. The king also reveals he is aware that Ares no longer has power. Pain summons the other lords of war. It turns out that they do know where the demon is, they know what the demon's plan is, and they know who the demon is working for, but they will not tell him. Instead, they tell Ares that if he can pass a test designed by each lord, that they will hand over the demon. They decide, since they are in Pain's realm, that Pain will be the first one, but they will have a feast before the test. At the feast, the Olympians are present again, including Aphrodite, who Ares has been in a long-term relationship slash friends with benefits situation. She isn't very nice to Ares now that he has no power. Ares speaks with Eris, who tells him that Zeus is using his power, which Ares does not want to believe. Ares leaves the feast early and Bella soon follows. Bella goes to see Ares and tells him that he needs to teach her how to use her powers before the trial. He refuses to teach her and tells her that all she needs to do is stay out of the way during the trials. She is upset by this and challenges him more. However, this results in him throwing her out of his room, but not before they share a strange moment of being attracted to each other. Finally, it is time for the test, and they get transported to the top of one of the fighting pits. Ares has to get a sword out of a stone, but every time he touches the sword, it hurts him. While he is trying to pull the sword out of the stone, three cyclops show up. Bella quickly realizes that the staffs the Cyclops carry are the power source behind the pain sword. Bella tries to tell Ares, but he is not listening, so she destroys all of the staffs for him, and he is able to get the sword out. However, they still have to fight the Cyclops. Bella is ready to go until Ares drains her of all her power, and she loses consciousness. When Bella wakes up, she is furious and confronts Ares. She tells him that she cannot work with him because they will get each other killed. Ares tells her that he cannot win, win without her help, even if she has no power. She agrees to help, help him, but makes him swear to never drain her power again, and he agrees. They head to the next test, which turns out to be a metal hydra made by Hephaestus. Luckily, Ares is more willing to communicate work with Bella this time, and they are able to defeat the hydra. However, Bella's arm is severely burned, and Ares helps her heal and tells her that her power includes healing magic. While they are talking, Ares reveals that he has never had such an invigorating fight because for the first time, he could lose. They find themselves drawn together and share a powerful kiss. Unfortunately, Ares ruins it immediately and tells her they should not have done that and should not do it again. Of course, since it is Olympus, they naturally have a ball before the next test. Ares makes Bella look amazing, but Bella is suspicious as to why Ares would help her. Ares tells her about Ares and how Aphrodite has been stringing Ares along and admits that she does want to anger Aphrodite, which works because she taunts Bella at the ball. At the ball, Ares goes to Ares and suggests that he drain Bella during the next fight so that Bella realizes what type of god he really is. After the ball, Ares and Bella argue since she wants to know more about her power and where she came from. Ares, Ares is being elusive and storms off. 
Ziva finds Bella and tells her that she will help her master her powers, and Bella is able to change her small knife into a proper sword. They go to the next fight and face off a hundred-hander. During the fight, Ares tries to drain Bella of her power, but she is able to resist and take her power back. Ares falls, and she is able to get the hundred-hander to submit. After the fight, Bella is furious and absolutely tears into Ares. The Lords of War are there, and they offer her the chance to fight or capture the demon herself, which would stop Ares from ever being able to get his power back. She agrees and steps through the portal. And that is where our book ends. So this is your spoiler alert. We will be talking about the rest of the book um, and more details of what happened. Marissa, did you like this book? Yeah, I like this book. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like this book? <laughs> I did. I did. I like, um, I enjoyed this book. It was interesting seeing um, having a female lead who has like anger management issues because normally these are male characters who have these anger management issues. Mm -hmm. We have a female who lead who can't control her anger. Right. So that was interesting. Yeah. I liked that. I liked I liked our female lead. She had trouble. So I I really like in the beginning of this book how they highlight that she's going to counseling for management of her anger issues um and has been um and they they talk about or the authors talk about or they bring up the struggle that she's had for a long time in coping with it and how she was finally able to find like a therapist to help her with her struggle for the last eight months so i like that there's that that sort of like highlight or emphasis on being able to find something to manage her her anger um, and I like that the author was able to work in that description of the red haze. So I don't know if you remembered in the immortality trials, the main character in that book, she, um, Hercules was her father. And when she, she had some issues with management of her anger symptoms as well. And that red haze would show up. Oh, so yeah. I like that reference back to that, that red haze representing you know fury or anger mm -hmm. it's a good is a good connection to something that if you haven't if you haven't read her books before you wouldn't make that connection but if you have then that's a, a nice little connection to something that we read in her her previous series so her relationship with her therapist counselor who turns out to be a guardian yeah I know you have some thoughts on that. I have some thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. It was a little cringy <laughs> for me just because she, um, and I, I think this may be a thing that happens when people, and I, uh, I feel like she's been this, this character, Bella. I mean, she spent a lot of time in isolation, not like in prison, literally in isolation, but also um, she didn't have, she grew up in foster care, didn't have good bonds with, her foster families uh, has lived mostly by herself. The closest relationship that she's really had over the last eight years has been with her cat. So for her to find someone who she can talk to and continues to talk to her, even after she experiences like episodes of rage, like with, the, with, with how this book starts, where she's got her therapist pinned up against a wall at a fury because she was triggered by something for her to finally encounter someone who keeps coming back to her, even though that's their job. I can see how 
a person might develop feelings of like attraction in response. But she's talking about uh, in the first couple of pages, like wanting to declare her feelings for her therapist. And I just felt a major cringe. And there ends up being that betrayal with her therapist as well. Um, later on with that he's a guardian but you know she still wants to save him so that's good I yeah don't know how much I'd really want to save him right um, <laughs> I mean that would be hard and I feel like yeah that would be really hard she says that he spent the last eight months trying to convince her that her symptoms are all it's all related to chemical imbalance then she finds out the truth and that would be a huge betrayal to feel like you're crazy basically right yeah i don't not that there i mean he he wouldn't have been able to reveal anything really about her anyway because that that's not part of his job and that's not something that he's allowed to do but i can see how that would even knowing that it would feel like a huge betrayal um but she also considers him her friend and he's done a lot to help her. So I think she says like, she'll, she'll um, get onto him or something after she saved him. Right. Oh yeah. She does. <laughs> Being able to separate out those feelings of, okay, you betrayed me, but also you've done these things for me. I think that shows like some pretty good uh, growth as a person for her. If she was just like blinded by rage constantly before she started therapy. So that's true. There are several times or several people that react strangely to her saying that she's the goddess of war or that she's NEO. Do you know where that like comes from? Is that what do you mean? Goddess? Yeah, she is a goddess. Yeah. So why are people so confused about it? I'm wondering. They haven't, like, revealed it, obviously, in either the first or second. So I'm going to speculate. In the last series, the Hades Trials, I believe there was a similar situation with Persephone, right? Mm -hmm. People's memories were... um, Wiped wiped yeah Mm -hmm. people's memories were wiped they didn't remember the goddess of the spring existing so if i were to speculate i would say potentially similar situation remember them not remembering that she existed but you're right now that i think about it okay yeah it's yeah most likely the same situation they would have to yeah aries remembers obviously yeah well, I think, and Hades remembered Persephone, but mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. I've tried to, even having read the second book, I'm still not sure. Aries has obviously played some type of role in uh, why Bella has been placed in the mortal realm. I just haven't, I haven't gotten any solid um, ideas on yeah, why she was there. You want to speculate? I mean, so I think that, I mean, it's obvious he did something that got her sent there. Cause Mm -hmm. at one point he's like, I can't let her find out or she'll hate me or something when she finds Mm -hmm. out, you know, about what happened. So he's obviously directly related. And my 
I'm wondering if he wanted her to be sent there, mm-hmm. you know, maybe so that he could have her power or if he was jealous of her or something right. along those lines. Um, but I, he was obviously, I think he was obviously directly involved in her getting sent to the mortal realm. Um, probably some sort of betrayal, right? Yeah. They were probably like BFFs. I don't yeah. know. Maybe. Or lovers. And so in Greek mythology, the goddess of in or goddess of war, Inyo, is Ares' counterpart. They're either siblings or lovers. And they're not siblings in this book. So lovers would be the alternative. So my thinking was um uh it that Aphrodite may be involved in some way. Mm. because of the affair that Aries and Aphrodite have going on. I wonder if he, I don't know, was persuaded to send her to the mortal realm by Aphrodite or wanted to carry on an affair with Aphrodite and had her sent to the mortal realm because of that. Or, I don't know, that would be a betrayal for sure. It would make him a terrible person. Then <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's really that awful of a, he might be. And he could have been before. So we've seen in this book, you see, uh, because Aries has lost his power, he is able to experience greater depths of emotion. So he's having to come to terms with like feeling guilt and remorse and regret. And so if he wasn't really capable or aware of, those types of feelings centuries or probably not centuries, maybe decades ago, I guess. If our main character is only 29. Um, yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't he? Rem- well, I'm, so he seems kind of like taken aback by their attraction, though. So yeah. wouldn't he like remember that part, especially if he knows that he had something to do with. I don't know. Maybe that's why he is like, oh, we shouldn't do this. But I felt like on his end, because he was like, I feel guilty. Why do I feel guilty about this? Mm-hmm. You know, like surprised that he had feelings related to her. Yeah. And not. Well, everybody. I think he was surprised that he had feelings related to anything, period. Yeah. Full stop. And I think it's because he is without his power. He's having to experience things like a like a human would he's not because he's got he's lost his source of like strength and in a sense his source of like confidence because Mm -hmm. he that's what he his power was always the thing that he knew would give him dominance and he's lost that now so he because he's lost that source of things that source of strength he's having to um, experience things like self-doubt um regret guilt because that's not it's not like a buffer for him anymore and aphrodite is just awful to him she's terrible yeah she's like oh um she taunts him and says like she won't be with him until his power is back and then flaunts that she's going to have like relations with other people in front of him yeah that's rude it is rude. I mean, she's she's awful to him, but she's awful in near the end of the book when they have that feast. She's awful to Bella too, because she's threatened, I guess, because at that point 
Aries and Bella have like kissed. Um, mm-hmm. Aries has realized that he has some type of some type of feelings for Bella. He's not comfortable with them, but he's he feels something for her. And so Aphrodite, having realized that that has happened, is awful to Bella. And it's like the person who she doesn't want whatever whatever it is, but she doesn't want you to have it either. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's terrible to Bella. And I guess I don't I don't know if we would call that jealousy or maybe she feels threatened. Possessiveness. Possessiveness. Possessiveness, yeah. She feels threatened by her. Well, at one point, uh Bella does I think he's she says to her, like, he's not a toy or a prize. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's a well, he's not a person, I guess. He's a god, but you know. Yeah. He's a being that has feelings and emotions. It's not a game. Yeah. But Aphrodite doesn't see it that way. He sees, she sees him as something to possess. He makes an interesting comment um, near the end when he's kind of exploring his feelings about Bella as well, about how he, the feelings that he had when he was with Aphrodite, it was all about her pleasure and how she felt, felt and not ever about how he felt with her. He, he always came secondary and with Bella, yeah. he starts to wonder like how he could feel, how she could feel, but how he could feel with her too. I thought that was an interesting passage too, where he says like, I, it was, he always worried about himself later. Right. And so first off, it's him worrying about himself, not her even like helping him right. in any sort of way. And then he says about, you know, what it would be like to be with Bella interesting and when bella also brings up slavery Mm -hmm. right actually i think it's that passage that same section where bella brings up slavery and she's like have you never felt this way and he was like no but then he thinks like back and he's like oh well kind of like my relationship with aphrodite during the scene where they're talking about slavery and she tells him that he's an unfit ruler because he doesn't have any empathy for his citizens i guess um or just for his people you know Mm -hmm. she and I love that she calls him out on it you know and it really makes him think about what's happening and what's going on and how he's been ruling although she says you're not a ruler Uh, so I like that she calls him out on several things too Mm -hmm. um she calls him out so she curses a lot in this book and he's like it's unladylike or something like that. And she's like, well, I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to swear as much as I want. Mm-hmm. Take that. And he ends up not hating it later on. Yeah. When it's directed at him. That. I mean, she just doesn't take any, she doesn't take any uh, crap from him, which is fantastic. You know, deities are not used to being pushed around by lesser folk. Yeah. And she is basically like, fearless if anything when he pushes her she like doubles down (laughs) fantastic I know I really like her character I do too she's very uh she perseveres she's -hmm. very determined and I really like that I like so there was um something else in this book that I really liked was she had a bunch of questions and while Aries wasn't going to answer like any of them Persephone was totally just like yeah this is what's going on here's what's happening this is why instead of being really vague and you know the way the gods are 
Yeah. Um, I like that. That was refreshing to me. Persephone just answering her questions. Yeah. Um, but her cat, Ziva, is very secretive, I guess, and vague. She's mm-hmm. just like, yes, Hera sent me mm-hmm. to spy on you, not to help you. <laughs> okay. Right. That's useless. <laughs> yeah. I like that too, especially because in Persephone's series, so the one that came before this, Persephone ran into that issue. She had all of these questions nobody could answer anything for her and she got so it was frustrating to read like just tell her some information nobody would share anything with her and so I like that Persephone having been in this situation before was able to answer at least some of her questions her cat Mm -hmm. gosh she's a hybrid yeah I would I would 100% like ask for a riddle immediately I'd be like you're a sphinx ask me a riddle I would okay. not. <laughs> I'm terrible at riddles. I would, I would, she would have to kill me if I got the answer wrong and I would die immediately. I'm terrible at riddles. I Are love riddles. I, yes, I love riddles. Like when you finally get it, you're like, yes, that's right. That's what it is. I got it. Aries is pretty unlikable in the start of this book. Would you um, agree? I would agree. He is a child. Which yes, she is. even says several times. She's like, why am I attracted to this like man who has the emotional range of a teenager or the temperament of a teenager or something like that? Um, and yeah, he's super annoying. I mean, he sounds hot. Like he's got, you know, like his body and his face mm-hmm. sound hot, but his personality does not. So one of the things that he does a lot in this book is he stomps his foot. So it's like um, Aries was... He stamped his feet, stamping his feet, right? Mm-hmm. So I counted how often it happens because I remember we talked about this one the first time we read it, eight times in this book, which I think is only, it's like a 200 page book or something like that. Eight times he's stamping his foot like a child. It's excessive. It's excessive. It is. It's a lot of stamping. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Stop it. That's not very manly. No, that's super childish. And then there's that scene where he like takes the sword and just bashes the rocks. Yeah. Cause he's mad. I know. It's like throwing a okay. tantrum. You need some coping mechanisms here. Mm-hmm. Some breathing, breathing exercises. Yeah. That reminded me of that study, you know, um, where it was like with a bobo doll where like when you when people got to take out their aggression it made them more aggressive yes yes yeah that made me think of this but he he does it so he beats up the the rock pile first and then bella gets mad and so he flashes them to the rock pile and she just kicks the crap out of it both times but this is just making your aggression worse (laughs) (laughs) the evidence suggests that (laughs) this is not actually a helpful behavior science shows not to do this so he starts out really annoying he does we, he experiences a little bit of character growth in this book i think he probably experiences a little bit more in the next book maybe he'll be a decent person by the end of the series but he he does go from you know just straight up wanting to kill bella and steal her power to at least being able to recognize 
she's courageous and strong and determined and he's able to acknowledge that he does have some feelings guilt guilt is the most prominent one that i can think of but he's trying so yeah he is and he's listening to what she says like about slavery and stuff yeah that was that's that's good some Mm -hmm. introspection going on there you know yeah he does have a a good realization about himself and not having powers which i liked uh it manifests i think especially like after the second challenge with the hydra where he goes in and they don't have any power he realizes like oh i really could die Mm-hmm. And that makes the whole thing more exciting for him because it's before it was like, well, he, he was immortal. He wasn't really going to die. Even if he got injured, he would still live. And then now there, there's a very real possibility that he could die in this situation. So he experiences adrenaline. He It's like a, a big moment of realization for him. And he talks about it with Bella and she's like, duh. I mean, this is what I feel after every fight or before every fight. Like, I can't, this is like the feel, like the feeling we're living for. So he, he does have this moment where he kind of realizes what he has been missing and it's not necessarily, I mean, having power keeps him alive, but I feel like it dampens all of your other feelings, maybe. Well, eternity is a long time. It is. You know? Yeah. Things get boring. Right. right? There's only so much you can do, so much you can experience, I guess. Yeah. And a loss of like novel, novel situations, novel things. So exactly. At one point, Bella says that the most unbelievable thing of all of the stuff that's happened to her. So is that her cat is a spy for Hera and could talk to her in her mind. (laughs) And I just think that's so interesting because for me, that would not be the most unbelievable thing that in all of the things that happened to her, like she finds out she's a demigod, actually Mm -hmm. not even demigod goddess. She finds out she's a goddess. She finds out that Olympus is a real place that her therapist is a guardian and not really a, like doesn't really have a human body but is some type of greek mythology something or other with lots of power yeah well all of the gods are real <laughs> but the most unbelievable thing is that her cat can is is magic and can talk to her <laughs> i mean i guess when you think about it right she's had her cat for what five years eight years eight years yeah eight years she's had her cat for eight years and cat's probably seen her changing her clothes you know she pets the cat yeah. spends all it's like come on like that's weird <laughs> i guess i can see that being weird. for me it would definitely be like finding out that greek gods exist um i would definitely think i was having some sort of mental breakdown though this always surprises me about books where people get like whisked away to like fairy or olympus or something why they don't have more of a oh i've gone crazy yeah moment because that is i would that's my mind would go immediately this is not real i am insane great i've lost the marbles have been lost right i am short of a few marbles right now yes (laughs) yeah 
I mean, I agree. That would be like the most unbelievable part for me. If I found out that my cat could talk, like it would be the happiest day. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy her priorities when uh, Aries takes her back to her uh, apartment or her house. And she's like, yeah. got to get that tequila. <laughs> yep. I don't think they have that in Olympus. So I'm going to take this with me. Yes. Like 40 pairs of underwear and a bottle of booze. All right, let's go. <laughs> Although that's how, okay, not except for the booze, the 40 pairs of underwear is how I pack. I will pack like <laughs> two t-shirts and then all of the underwear I own. <laughs> I do that too. What do we do that? Oh no. It's like, oh, I don't know. What if I like pee myself seven times a day? Gotta be prepared for that. <laughs> Better take different types too, you know? Yes. I mean, you never know when you're going to need 40 thongs. So why? <laughs> <laughs> so take all the different cuts and we're just, I mean, why? I don't know why. I don't know why, but I do that too. Yeah. I wonder if guys do that. I don't or know. Or if it's just a girl thing. They need to ask people of the world, males. <laughs> yes. You're going on a trip for five days. How many pairs of underwear do you pack? Oh, let's see. You like the pop cultural references that Aries doesn't understand. Yes. Okay. So it's, I think they're funny, but I also think it's frustrating because she makes all of these references um, to, you know, like she says, oh, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. And he's like, what? I don't get it. And she's just kind of like, ah, you know, doesn't really explain it but also doesn't like push him whereas mm -hmm. she doesn't know something and he's like you're so stupid you're mm -hmm. so ignorant you like what's wrong with you it's yeah like, okay jerk <laughs> if I was that not like yeah well and I mean it's not like she has a bunch of useful information for him that he doesn't know she's in a completely new world like all of her right? questions are valid. <laughs> I know. Not like she's asking dumb questions. It's like, how do I use my power? And where does it come from? And why am I here? Like, <laughs> you're stupid. I'm not like, those are reasonable questions to ask. They are. <laughs> yeah. Aries is just a jerk. I think she asks like about the city, uh, Aramos, and he's like, you're so ignorant. Well, you don't know that. She's like, what? <laughs> of course not. This is a new place for her. She's never been here. She didn't even know this existed until like 10 hours ago. Come on. Yeah. Jerk. But so if I was her, I would be making all these pop cultural references and then being like, oh, what? You don't get it. You're so stupid. And then flip them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in this, you know, we point out a lot of times when we get a sense, right? Um, Aries smells like fresh sweat and sand and metal. Ugh. Yes. It's not appealing. No, not at all. But because you spoke earlier about a study being done, um, there was that study done where they found that people are like not turned off by their significant other's sweat. Um, so I guess if you're attracted to someone, their sweat isn't bad. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So Aries is the god of war. He goes on to talk about the different um, sort of parts of war that that fall under like with his classification. So pain, panic, and terror, they fall under his umbrella. And then he also talks about different aspects of war, including like valor and courage and strength. And I, 
I forget, or it just doesn't, it didn't really occur to me that we would, we would pair those things with war. Because a lot of times when I feel like, I feel like when we think of war, we think of the horrors of war. Mm-hmm. But especially like with Greek myths, war or battle, there, there are those themes of like valor and heroes and so I thought that was interesting. And so in knowing all of those things and knowing that Aries, you know, has dominion or I guess um, pairs war with valor and courage, with all of that in mind, I was like f- furious with him after the first trial when he uses all of Bella's power. So Bella... He's trying to get the sword out of the rock, right? And it's shocking him. And Bella realizes that if they destroy the staffs that the the Cyclops are holding, he can get the sword. And so she puts in all of this effort to help them win, and he steals the moment from her. He uses her power. He drains her, and she passes out. And I was so upset on her behalf when he did that because he stole her moment. He stole her her valor, her her glory in that situation. And it feels like such a betrayal. And not only that, she fa- she's found this place where she finally fits in. She she feels like this is a place where she could be understood, uh, where her anger doesn't isn't as dangerous or doesn't make sense in the mortal realm. It's perfect for this place. And so she wants to be represented well because, I mean, the, these trials are being broadcast in front of the world. So she doesn't want to look like a fool. And so he steals that moment from her and she feels betrayed and she feels ashamed. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. I think him doing it the first time was more understandable yeah like it was not cool it was horrible of him but he was kind of like he got wrapped up in it he admitted that and then when but when he goes to do it a second time fully knowing what will happen Mm -hmm. I was like that is nonsense yeah um and I do like that she was able to basically get back at him for that you know she stole her power back and was Mm -hmm. like ha and get the hundred-hander to submit but yeah it's just so frustrating I wondered in that so in that situation when he does it again uh, Eris has sort of been like a bug in his ear at that point Mm -hmm. she's like um why don't you just steal all of her power he's like I thought you were friends with her and she and Eris I mean her her job is just to stir up to stir the pot basically and so I wonder if Eris do you think Eris like really is just wanting to cause problems for Bella for her to feel betrayed by Aries again because she's trying to stir things up and so she she's telling Aries like you should just steal her power again or do you think she's trying to get him to like experience some personal growth or recognize something it feels like uh, she's trying to get him to experience more personal growth, at least to me, because she's like, oh, what, why won't you do it? Because you like her mm. sort of thing. Um, still not great what she said. Although I feel like being heiress would be one of the like coolest um, yeah. 
goddesses to be. I would I would love to be Eris. And just cause chaos around yeah. me. Just cause <laughs> problems for everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm great. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, but Eris and Bella are kind of similar too. Like Eris doesn't wear like she wears revealing clothing mm -hmm. and Aries at some point is like oh you have to wear that and she's like yeah I wear it because it makes people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and Bella says something similar about her cursing that she does it because it makes people uncomfortable so I thought that was an interesting parallel I guess between them mm -hmm. um because they seem to get along well and yeah um but Bella does seem to have a healthy, like, why are you helping me mm -hmm. sort of thing with Eris. So. Yeah. Yeah. She, she recognizes that she doesn't need to just trust her implicitly, which I think is really smart. Knowing the goddess of discord and chaos thrives on that. Mm -hmm. I love that she's trying to stir up trouble with Aphrodite. I think it's hysterical. Yes. I, I really like what the authors have done with Aphrodite's character in this book. You know, a lot of times we see, which none of the Greek deities were, you know, innocuous. They all cause problems for other beings. But a lot of times we, we see like Aphrodite is just the goddess of love and think, oh, love. But in several of the incarnations of these Greek stories that we've read, Aphrodite is unkind or ruthless. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting play on the goddess of love. Yeah. It makes sense when you think about, when you really think about who she would be, because love isn't just all like, oh, like so sweet sort of thing. It comes with things like jealousy. And I mean, like these are things that aren't really love, but it falls under it anyway, like manipulation. All of mm -hmm. these things are going to fall under like love and relationship, you yeah. know? So obviously, like, you know, these are going to be something that she embodies as well, um, herself as the goddess. I mean, you think about, like, what happened with the apple, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, starting the whole Trojan War. Yeah. Um, was because of her. So, yeah. Like, it makes sense for her to be more disruptive than we would have originally thought, mm -hmm. you know? I like the way the author describes Bella's clothing. Mm -hmm. um, specifically that leather corset that she was talking about. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, yes, girl. It reminded yeah. me of like Wonder Woman, the things that the, the Amazons wore in the beginning. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And then I like that Eris comes to help bella get ready for the feast um, and she sort of creates this like dress that's it's like sexy and pretty but also makes her look like a warrior yeah it looks like armor she says it also looks like armor to match aries and i you made a note about this i think too about we get some sort of um protective vibes from Eris over her brother yeah it, you know saying how Aphrodite's been like stringing him along mm -hmm. or I don't know how long 
centuries. Centuries, yeah. right? Centuries, yeah. 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 I think yeah. that Eris probably, I mean, she definitely is trying to stir up trouble, but I think she's also trying to, um, I think that she can see that Aries' romantic involvement with Aphrodite is um, not serving him in a positive way. Yeah. And is only serving Aphrodite. And so she's trying to stir up trouble. And it seems like she's doing it from a place of wanting to protect him or put him in a better situation for himself. Yeah. I agree. Um, which I think is interesting because they bring up several times about how gods and goddesses don't have any real famil familial, familial. Yeah. Familial um, guys. Familia, yeah. Like, cause I mean, they talk about their kids and they're like, Oh yeah, I've got a kid somewhere. Yeah. In that I general think, region. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bella's talking with Hermes at one point and he's like, it's so hard to keep up with who your children are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to have that tie still as, you know, yeah. You know, being brother and sister is interesting to keep mm -hmm. that in such a place, I guess. I don't know. Environment, such an environment. Yeah. I think it's interesting that he still kind of is loyal to Zeus after Zeus has stolen his power. Yes. I agree. I don't really understand why he would continue to be loyal to Zeus after he's stolen his power. I think it's a mix of he's his father, right? And then also he's the king of gods. So there's still some loyalty there. Even after Eris tells him like, hey, he is using your power. And that's like a big no-no in the mm -hmm. deity community. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Olympus. <laughs> sure. I don't know. <laughs> right? What do you say? Um, anyway, it's a uh, definitely shouldn't do that. He still is like, oh, he wouldn't do that, you know. And I think Bella says something negative about Zeus, and he gets defensive, and it's very, it's curious. But I mean, you see people like, like we've said before, it's been thousands of years. Yeah, hard to break a habit. In their second challenge, uh, Hephaestus creates a Hydra. So this is a, a recurring monster. The Hydra showed up in the Immortality Trials. Um, and it was defeated. The, the source of its power was in the eye of one of the monster's heads. And so it reappears in this story. Um, and this time, the source of power is embedded in its body. I think it's so... I don't know. I just love the idea of... Hephaestus's like mechanical monsters. I would really, I, I think Hephaestus is a really interesting character. We don't see a whole lot of him just in general. I'd like to see a story about him. Yeah, me too. Especially, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was going to say, especially with all of these things that he's creating, like the monsters and stuff, he's known for being like a really amazing metallurgist. That's a thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know, <laughs> He is known for that. So yeah, to see more of him and see more of his creations and inventions and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I really like to see that too. Especially because what we have seen from him has been awesome. Yeah. Okay, so for our quotes, um, I had one. 
Um, mine was, it was said by Eris, and she goes, sweetie, nobody in Olympus is faithful to their spouses, except Hades. That delicious specimen of a man is exceptional. Like, yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hades right. is number. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that man. Mm-hmm. My quote, it's like a paragraph, but it was, it's Bella talking about um, herself realizing um, her own confidence and her own value as a warrior and about being uh, an, an unanticipated warrior. So people discounting her because she's small and female. And so she says, the reason I always won wasn't because I was stronger or faster, although I often was. It was because I had learned what made me different. Slowly, I realized that fighting wasn't just about having big muscles. Pain wasn't just about taking blows. Strength of mind was what had always given me the edge, unbending confidence and an ability to see from another's point of view. I really like that. You know, you can be the strongest guy out there and still lose a fight. Um, Ability comes from more than just being strong or being fast or being whatever. It's being able to analyze the situation and strategize and... um, recognize weakness in other people and so I like that she has developed this self-awareness that she's not just depending on being fast and strong to win her battles she's able to analyze I think that speaks a lot about her strength as a character any final thoughts yes actually because we're just talking about her um being small and female so she's five two and Aries is supposed to be like seven foot tall right? Yeah. I'm just thinking of that height discrepancy. That's a significant height difference. I think right? he can control it though. Cause he makes himself even taller at one point. So maybe he can shrink to it. Maybe. I don't know. She can grow too. Once she gets well, yeah, she more can. of a power. There you go. She figures out how she can grow too. Yeah. Sorry. That was my <laughs> final thought that popped into my head. It's a good book. I enjoyed this book. Eliza rain and uh, Rose Wilson. They got several uh, good books out there um, to read together. It seems like yeah. they write together all the time. So, agree. Excited for the last book in this trilogy. We've already read the second one. It came out earlier this year, and the, the last one will be out in April. So, I'm excited to uh, to read that one. Mm-hmm. Wrap up, find out what's actually going on with Bella. So next week, we are super excited for, we are talking about The Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. It is her newest book in the mm, Akatar universe, I guess, really, because it's not part of the main series. It's a spinoff, sort of, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it takes place in, um, yeah, the Court of Thorns and Roses world. And we're really excited to talk about it. So excited. Yes, Nesta and Cassian. It just came out uh, this previous on the sixteenth. Yes, came out just came out. So if you haven't read it, you should pick it up and read it for us next week. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.